Hello, and welcome to the Mechanics Institute Review podcast. My name is Peter J. Coles, and for this episode, we are going to talk to Golnush Noor about her upcoming short story collection, The Ministry of Guidance and Other Stories. Golnush is an Iranian writer currently living in London. In 2017, she published her debut collection of poetry, Sorrows of the Sun, under the pseudonym Solgol Sir. She has performed at numerous literary events across the UK and internationally, and has completed a practice-based PhD in literature and creative writing, exploring queerness through a post-colonial lens. She now teaches both poetry and prose at Birkbeck University and the University of Bedfordshire. Her short story collection, The Ministry of Guidance and Other Stories, is due for publication by Muswell Press in April 2020. Armin and Mohammed were not in each other's arms. They were just both in the sea, their torsos bare and wet, their dark swimsuits as tight as her headscarf, emphasizing their depraved genitals. The water was lukewarm, up to her waist. The waves were playful. She wanted to forget, but couldn't. Armin and Mohammed were lying beside each other, not touching but it was now blindingly obvious. She made the knot on her headscarf tighter so the waves couldn't steal her hijab. She let herself float under the stars. She'd forgotten how purifying it felt to be in the sea, especially in a polluted one. Not wanting to get out of the Caspian Sea, she kept floating in the dark. So yeah, I chose. I wanted you to read from Caspian because I think it was one of the most interesting pieces that um, mm-hmm. in in the book. I really really enjoyed it. Um, but before we get to that, so how did the book come about? How did okay. you how did you get to the point where you're publishing the Ministry of Guidance and it's other mo- stories and other stories? There are many stories, in the <laughs> book, not um, just the Ministry. Muswell Press. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So how did you how did you get what's your what's been your career up until this point? Oh wow, that's a very broad question. Mm. Uh, my career, not sure how to define my career. As you know, now I teach mm-hmm. uh, creative writing and literature, and also I do uh, perform a lot of my work in literary festivals and events, etc. And uh, I basically started as well. I've always wanted to become a writer mm, since I was like seven. Since I basically learned to read and write in my mother tongue, Farsi. Um, so. And this was in the urge, Yeah, the yeah. urge was always there. And then for my BA, I studied English literature. That really opened something new and exciting for me. So I knew I wanted to teach, I wanted to study literature, all that stuff. And then I decided to also write in English because, um, as you'll see, actually the first story in my collection, the, Mis- the Ministry of Guidance, is based upon my personal experience. Okay. And... Um, uh, so I realized like with the kind of stuff I was interested in writing uh, and creating, I couldn't really get published in Iran. And I already had a famous blog by that time, but it was like anonymous. I was writing about the same stuff, like sexuality, desire. Um, so uh, so and my poetry story, mm-hmm. is that based on... Is that something that actually happened to yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I wonder if you could briefly describe the story, just for those who haven't read it yet. Well, my, well they should read it. They should read my it, but a brief 
My poetry collection basically <laughs> went through the Ministry of Guidance, mm. and it was deemed immoral, so it didn't. It wasn't allowed to be published, even though I had a publisher. So I was like, I can't deal with this. Like, I need to. I want to get published. I want to become a published writer. And um, why was that so important to you? Do you think? Because I had many readers. My Farsi blog, I have attracted many readers, and I had research, and I was writing a novel, I was writing my poetry collection, and I just wanted to get credit for my work, mm. and I wanted to carry on teaching literature. And I didn't know that there was such a major called creative writing. Um, so I did some research and realized, actually, I want to study, I want to shift from literature to creative writing. Um, and that's when I came to London from Tehran to do an MA in creative writing. And that's when I also started um, the uh, very early drafts of the Ministry of Guidance and other stories because you have deadlines and uh, you have workshops and you have to produce something. And uh, that's when I started writing the stories. And then I, I, that was like an unfinished project, my MA. I felt I wanted to do much more than that, and I wanted to actually finish the whole book. Um, and I also realized London was perhaps the right place for me to be in at the moment. So um, I decided to do a PhD in literature and creative writing, and, to, and, and that book became part of the creative component of my practice-based PhD, basically. Um, and so, yeah, I wrote that book, and then, um, but before that, as you know, my debut poetry collection mm -hmm. got published, Sorrows of the Sun, um, very indie small press, but that opened many doors for me. And how, did you approach Muswell Press, or did they approach you? How did that happen? Um, no, it's all... Um, basically, they found out about me, and they were interested in the idea of my book. And so I asked my agent, my fabulous agent, Rebecca Carter, uh, she sent the book to them and they said they fell in love with it. Oh, wow. So, yeah. It's a happy ending then. It's yeah, 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 yeah. And when is it being released? When's, it, when's the publication date? The 2nd of April. 2nd of April, yeah. you're very excited. Very much so, to the point that I can't sleep. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I wanted to get into the, um, the sort of the nitty-gritty of the book and discuss what it's about because there's a lot of themes in the book that I found anyway and I don't really want That's to ask <laughs> I don't many themes <laughs> many themes I don't want to be prescriptive in terms of what I think the book is about so I wonder if you could explain maybe what you think the book is about or what okay. you hope the book is about well obviously like it's 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 a book it's open to interpretation mm -hmm. and as many interpretations as possible uh, my intention for the book, and it's an instinctive book, I wrote it instinctively, I didn't think about it much, especially when writing the early drafts of it. I was just, I had this urge and I just had to write it, I didn't know where it was going, I didn't know what I was doing. It, that's why it took years, um, and it's only like 60,000 words, but it took me four or five years to That seems about it. right. Doesn't it? That seems I about right. I I <laughs> Do you want to be faster? I, I, yeah, <laughs> much faster. <laughs> I know that. But <laughs> how difficult was it writing so honestly? Because I think a lot of the book it's is... It's not honest, because it's fiction. It's been categorized as <laughs> fiction, short stories. You don't get any more artificial than that. It's how true. is that honest? It's truthful. It's, there is so much emotional okay, truth, truth in it. Yeah. There's a lot of emotional truth in it, but 
I don't feel any responsibility um, towards it being as honest as possible. At the end of the day, it's really, I wrote it and I'm just one person. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure many people, um, and not necessarily Iranians, but queers, because it's a very queer book. It's about the fluidity of sexuality. It's about sexual desire, uninhibited sexual desire, and it's an exploration of desire. Um, against a heteronormative construct um, so I think many people will relate to it so I think I said in, in the questions to you the book did feel a bit like an act of rebellion oh against, I love that yeah <laughs> against the Iranian state for not um, allowing you to publish and maybe no 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 no, no, no I wouldn't go that far it is an act of rebellion against all heteronormative cultures, okay. which is every culture at mm -hmm. the moment in the world. Unfortunately, though, we are still suffering from the patriarchy and heteronormativity, um, which also induce a lot of racism and wars, as you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's an act of rebellion, I would say, but not necessarily against, I wouldn't say against the Iranian regime, because they, frankly, I don't think they would care. They don't care. <laughs> about some book in English. Yeah. Uh, this is the thing. I think in my head, I only know Iran from the news. That's it. I only yeah. know Iran from the news. And, and, and some culture, like I think, um, is it Persopolis? That, um, yeah. I think that and some other. Yeah. I, I so I only get the impression of Iran from that, from yeah. America's view of Iran. Yeah. And so reading it's this toxic. book. It's toxic. It's <laughs> toxic. I imagine so. And so reading this book, yeah. I felt it felt to me like Iran was, or the Iranian state or the regime was the enemy that you were rebelling against because there's so much conflict in terms of uh, the, first, the first short story, The Minister of Guidance, in which she's trying to get her published, a book published, but she can't because yeah. the state says you can't. And then there's the whole aspect of religion in the sense that yeah. what the, the queer characters are doing is against some sort of religion. Yeah. Um, so each character is fighting back against something but what I also found really interesting in your book is that the characters also don't fight back. They just sort of accept, but in a very, it's very difficult to explain. Um, I feel like it's nuanced. It's a nuanced, exactly. It's very, very nuanced in the sense that they seem to know that they can't properly fight back because who knows what would happen to them. But they fight back in their own way or they, they, uh, they exist in their own way that they that, that allows them to be who they are. Yeah. Is it was this your experience? Mm. I'm not sure what you mean by fighting back because um, I have to admit I'm not that much of an activist. Writing is okay. pretty much the only activism I really do. But um, well, that's a huge, so I wouldn't huge aspect of it, I wouldn't it? ever claim that I'm an activist um, mm. or I've done any kind of activism other than writing. Uh, so um, and sometimes my writing is hardly ever political anyway. Uh, I mean it's political in the sense that it's very queer and I think that's political but sometimes like my new novel, the novel I'm working on, it has nothing to do with Iran, mm -hmm. for instance. Uh, or my second poetry collection, Rock Song. Um, so it's it's my work is political, I would say, in the sense that it's, it's, it's very queer, uh, but it's not necessarily a reaction against the Iranian government or Iran. It's just that just happened to be the setting because that was the setting I was familiar with, so I could create the most 
tangible stories mm. uh, using that setting. So that was that just happened to be the setting. I right. didn't calculate it, and uh, yeah, and I I do hope that my book just doesn't get categorized as just one of those books mm. about Iran, which uh, basically fuel the right wing narratives of Iran. And in fact, that's one of my main worries and concerns because you can't control how people are going to interpret something. But I, I hope my book is nuanced enough for that not to happen because there are so many books like that in English published outside of Iran, uh, who, which basically just feel the Western right-wing narrative of Iran that all Iranian women are victims, mm. all homosexuals are getting executed 24-7, and it's all, you know, people ride camels, there's like, all, all brown men are abusive, you know. I, and I really, I'm so sick of that. Right. And in, in a way, my book is a reaction to that, you mm. could say is a reaction to that. Mm. Um, and I think books, even Persepolis does that a little bit and it's worrying and I think it's a very dangerous narrative and I really hope that my book is not fueling that in any shape or form when Iran is already facing a lot of chaos and um, it's, it's been bullied by the United States for so many years. We have, yeah, we have our own problems and, and um, the regime is nice in any shape or form, but the, the, the West hasn't helped mm. either. In fact, they worsened the situation by far. So, um, yeah, I think there we need to find a nuance somewhere between, and I don't like that dichotomy that some of these books have created between Iran and the West, mm. or the Middle East and the West, or as Edward said, called the Orient and the Occident. Um, I'm so not interested in that, and this is th 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 that narrative is responsible for what's happening right now in mm. the world. Uh, so I hope my book is against that kind of um, binary narratives and and uh, ideologies mm. and dichotomies. Yeah, I think I think that for me that was what was so interesting then was that there is a lot of love for Iran in the book, and there's a lot of love for the culture, the landscape, mm. the the people. They're, they're, and, and I think for me, I, a part of me found that uncomfortable mm. because I because ex, my expectations coming in as a Western white male were that yeah. this book was somehow going to be, as I keep saying, an mm. act of rebellion. And yeah. so to find these moments where they almost feel conservative, yeah. where where there's talks of how you know the, you know the, uh, how good the food is or the the culture or you know how how. Uh, the characters are reacting to their parents mm. and stuff like this even parents that seem quite totalitarian in the yeah. way they, they, they think yeah. there's still so much love for them mm. and and I was just like this this doesn't this conflicts in my head yeah. but I think that com that conflict is probably exactly yeah. what you were going for yeah. right it's the sense that you can't yeah. just narrowly point to one version of what Iran is yeah, and what exactly. your culture is and then say that that does that I mean you can't do to any country, no, to can't. be fair, no. uh, nowhere is monolithic as monolithic as Daily Mail wants us to believe. Yeah. You know, um, countries Please are don't nuanced. That on this <laughs> Sorry, <Ugh. laughs> uh, you know, places, countries, people are nuanced. You know, they're mixtures of everything. You can't just like define them by some 
trade, mm. you know, that suits someone else's politics. It's, everything is just so complicated and messed up mm. and messy and interesting and exciting and and beautiful and ugly at the same time. And I really just wanted to capture that. So I think that was one aspect of the novel. And the other aspect yeah. of the novel that I found quite strong the was... The short story collection. The short story collection, sorry. The short story collection. It's okay, I did mention that. <laughs> Because you've got a novel coming. No, I'm writing it. and it's Long time coming, but <laughs> yeah, eventually it's going to take happen. another six years. <laughs> That's exciting, though. That's very exciting. Um, <laughs> in the slightest. So the other aspect is the sexuality that I think is in the novel. Yeah. And that's something that is prevalent throughout. And I think that's Definitely. what holds the novel together is this sense of yeah. sexuality. Sure Why was this something yes. that you wanted to um, explore? What was it about? Why um, was this the theme? Why did you choose one of this as one of your themes for your book? collection short story collection i got it right well I, I as i told you i didn't choose the theme beforehand okay it just i wrote the book first instinctively completely instinctively and obviously it was also informed by my research um in the field of queer theory um but that's how it was always like oh okay this is a very queer book cool i love that that's what I've always wanted to write and that's what I've always wanted to explore in my life and in my literature and this is the kind of literature I'm also interested in. Uh, so sexuality and queer theory, um, these are the things I'm basically interested in and I write about. So that's how it happened. If you read Sorrows of the Sun or my second poetry collection, Lock Song, um, there's gonna, you know, it's, it's basically about that. That's that's what I love, that's what I think about a lot, and that's what I'm obsessed with, and that's what I, you know, produce. Uh, so. um, what, it, what, it, what is it that you're thinking about when you, when you sit down to write? Um, I don't normally think, I just write. Hmm. Sometimes I plot with short, with poetry I don't think, it just, you know, it just happens. But with short story I, I did a bit of plotting and planning, so I did plot the stories, um, and I wanted to, for all my protagonists to be firstly queer and secondly Iranian. So I wanted all my protagonists or anti-heroes, as you would call some of them. Uh, I wanted all of them to be Iranian queer. Why, why do you call them anti-heroes? Because, for instance, in some of the workshops, we're like, I just hate your protagonist. Like, he's so nasty. Who's She's so na nasty. Some of the people in workshops. And some people, I get it. I get it. I don't want to create, you know, likable, nice, pleasant people. That would be so boring all the time to have that in literature. Literature is also about darkness and capturing that darkness within human nature. Anyway, um, so some people might see some of them as anti-heroes. For instance, the protagonist of... Tehran Yawi, um, who was the most controversial one in our workshop because some people really, really loved him and had a massive problem with him. And I was like, I was enjoying it. So that's an interesting story, isn't it? Because that one made it into Mir 15? Yeah. Mir 15. Yeah. And a bit of backstory to Mir 15. I think enough time has passed now. But when that story... <laughs> yes. When that sto do you know the story? <laughs> yeah. When that story came to us, the, the, yeah. I was on the Mir 15 editorial team, yeah. and when it came to us, there was a literal 50-50 split down the middle of yeah. people that loved it to the point where like it has to go in the collection. <laughs> yeah. I was one of those people. And everyone and else that was like, this is terrible, we're not, we're not having it in. And I was like, I could not understand <laughs> that side. I just couldn't understand it. I just literally couldn't understand it. It was one of the most exciting pieces we had in the book. It was Thank evocative you. and it was 
it tried to do something interesting yeah um it was it was queer it was from a different culture i was yeah. like we have to have this story yeah. this it's it's what the book should be about yeah but there was a definite 50 fit um split down the middle about that story yeah why do you think it was so divisive what do you think is so divisive? well i love that i heard all that uh, I was informed of that split and it made <laughs> me so happy, especially after I found out that it actually got in. Oh, I yeah. was so happy about that. Oh, yeah. So thanks for fighting for my story. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. Um, well, because exactly because you can't pin it down because you can't define it and people want to have black and white mm -hmm. and, you know, to, people want to know beforehand what's or like it's because it's it's kind of a I don't know how to Can define it. It's actually one of mm. my favorite stories in the collection. Can you describe the plot just very briefly? The plot I would say it's about a beautiful man in a gay party in Iran who falls in love with the host who is also another beautiful boy and they're all in their early twenties, but the the boy is already in a monogamous relationship with another man. And so the, my anti-hero protagonist, he gets extremely manipulative and he wants to basically destroy their relationship because he's, um, he's experiencing what he's calling love at first sight um, for the host. And because he's so beautiful and seductive, he, we don't know what he might succeed or not. But the background of the story is all the political unrest that happened in 2009 in Iran between uprising. And because he's so obsessed with his own sexual desires and sexuality, he's like he's dismissing all that when other people in the party are um, feverishly discussing that and the rise. And he, the only thing he can think about is how to seduce this uh, new boy. Uh, that he's obsessed with and it's also about friendship because he's there with his best friend Maryam who's also engineering all this in, in her own way uh, and who's also getting a kick out of it um, and um, this this is also I would say this is perhaps my favorite story <laughs> in the collection and uh, and the, the protagonist because I think the, the reason some people really hated the story in the water was that the protagonist is very is quite narcissistic mm. he comes across as very narcissistic and I, I don't have a problem with that because many many people many queers are narcissistic and that's how life is mm. uh, not everybody is going to be your best friend you know that's how it is and um, I think people wanted the kind of exactly the people in the water athletes they wanted something much more violently political like mm. they wanted an arrest they wanted execution they wanted to for these boys to be completely vulnerable and likable and nice and correct at all times and do no wrong and that's not how the real world is i have news for you mm. you know things are complex and complicated and i think that's why i love that story because it, it has captured that nuance and actually the cause of his narcissism if you really want to be sensitive about it you can see it's a it's his urge for survival. He wants to survive. He knows, he understands. He's very young. He understands he's somewhere extremely chaotic and he just wants to get out. It's, her, it's his survival instinct that makes him um, a, a, a raging narcissist. Mm. Um, so um, I think if you actually read that story with a bit more compassion, you can see that um, he's not evil. He's just a human being trying to survive something that is um, um, messed up. Mm. I think what's so interesting about your stories then from what you said before is that you don't give us 
There's a story in which one of the characters, uh, there's a possibility, possibility of arrest, mm. or there's the, the first story, The Ministry of Guidance, where you think that something bad's going to happen to this girl, but it doesn't happen. Yeah. So in all... Except that her book doesn't get published. Except her book doesn't get published. Well, eventually does. <laughs> <laughs> Just in a different story. Yeah. In real life. But, so you're, you're constantly denying the reader the thing that they think they want, which I think is very interesting. Yeah. And... Um, I wonder if that will become a source of conflict for some people. They'll be like, why yeah. doesn't it, why yeah. don't they? No, you're why absolutely isn't there, right. Why isn't the arrest? Yeah. Why hasn't the raising yeah. come in? And you're absolutely right. In fact, yeah, in fact, in one of our workshops for uh, Tehran Yawi, one of the, one of the, people one of my peers told me i just don't believe this story happened in iran because why aren't they more scared why aren't they like shutting their windows where are all the black curtains i was like what <laughs> like yeah it's it's completely what? misunderstanding the culture yeah, what? why yeah. would they like be so paranoid why would they like be scared like like what do you think we do like it's <laughs> just a gay party it? chill like yeah okay let's okay yeah. so i think one of the biggest reasons for that maybe is because people just don't understand iranian culture we have been fed in the west i'm not i'm talking for myself yeah. i don't know why i said we that's not fair yeah. i don't understand iranian culture so yeah. what should i be reading what should i be watching what should i who should i read in order to understand it better the Ministry of Guidance. Of course. And other stories we read it. Of course. Um, I need a physical copy. I've only got a PDF. In English, it's difficult to find if I'm completely really? honest. Really? Okay. Um, and that in itself is something that needs to be Yeah, rectified. addressed. Yeah. yeah, because most books about Iran that you see published in the West in English, um, usually to huge critical acclaim like reading lolita in tehran and persepolis and those books uh they're basically they're um at this subgenre of fueling that right-wing narrative of iran mm. as a country um so even if they think they may be doing it from a i don't know what liberal they think. perspective i don't know what they think but yeah so not those books like okay. staying away from those books would be a good start iran is as complicated and as strange as any other country if not more so mm. how could you define that in a you know especially in like a propagandist book of fiction or memoir mm. i always i studied japanese for quite a long time i lived in japan for a while and yeah. then when people would come to me and ask me what japan is like i'd be like i it's it's I don't know. It's like the UK. It's just a, yeah. it's a place full of people. I think that's what like, people it's get impossible angry. to. Uh, yeah, because yeah. they want something simplistic and yeah. simplified, so they can just you know grasp it quickly and move on mm. and know what it is and then move on. It's not like that. You have to think about things a lot, and you have to do your research, and you have to read a lot. You can't just like, um, you know, real life has nothing to do with daily fail exactly sorry about repeating that again it's, <laughs> you call it's the daily much fail, more fine. nuanced than that and much more complicated how like yeah i mean yeah. yeah right so to end the podcast we always ask what book are you reading at the moment and what okay. book would you always recommend so what are you reading at the moment at the moment i'm reading things fall apart by chimio achibe oh okay yeah amazing book yeah mm -hmm. because i have to teach from it next week <laughs> <laughs> but also i've been meaning to read it yeah, for years it's an incredible i'm a bit book. ashamed i haven't read it before actually mm. yeah it's incredible and it's a necessary read for everyone um 
recently I read The Vegetarian. Oh, what did you think of that? I was obsessed. I'm still obsessed. Okay. What did you think of the translation, though? The translation, I know it's been controversial, Deborah Smith, but um, Hongan herself has approved of that translation. Okay. So who are we to say anything? Okay. And translation, yes, the original piece always betrays the translator Mm -hmm. piece. Like, we just need to accept that as people but translate you know it's readable it's smooth i really felt i was in this you know not that i wanted to be in that story <laughs> it was too horrible story. no never but um i didn't feel it was translation as i was reading obviously it's not perfect no work of art is a no work of translation is ever perfect and translation is a problematic concept itself but it's also very necessary and it, I think it's important to keep reading translations, knowing that, yeah, they're quite different from the original piece. But I, yeah, I loved it. And I highly recommend it for people who are interested in like psychological, psychotic, okay. um, twisted um, books about like problematic dynamics and, and sexualities and yeah, I, I really loved it. I can't wait to reread it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, so what, what would you always recommend to people? Sister Outsider by Audre Lorde. Sister Outsider by Audre Lorde, okay. Yes, published in 1984, a collection of her essays and speeches, especially her two essays, Poetry is Not a Luxury, the most famous one, I believe, and the other one, Uses of the Erotic, the Erotic as Power. Okay. That's one of my all-time favorite essays and I think it's such an important essay that I I think it should be taught at school actually both of those essays I think it should become um, compulsory reading that book I love it so much and I always recommend it especially to to women and to queers especially queers of color but also to everyone because I think that book it's so revolutionary there is something for everyone in that book and it is it is intellectual and radical at the same at the same time there is so much compassion and hope in it so yes sister outsider by Audre Lorde always Grace okay well thank you so much for coming to speak to me today I had I had a good time I had a great time <laughs> good. and right so where can we get we can get your book from April second yes published by Muswell Press. Mm-hmm. Is there a site that we can go to to get it once it's... Yes, Waterstones. You can pre-order it from Waterstones. Just, just Waterstones' right website. Now. Okay. And... Also, I'm not sure. I should have done my research. <laughs> this I'll put it in the show notes as well where you can actually get it from. So Waterstones and Muswell Press, I, get, I suspect you can get it. Order it straight from them, right? Yeah. Yeah, you can order it from them. Yeah. Great. Well, again, it was lovely to speak to you. Yeah, likewise. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you to Golden Oceanor for taking part in this podcast, and thank you for listening. If you like what we do here at Mirror Online, and you'd like to listen to more of our podcasts, go to mirroronline.org slash, you guessed it, podcasts, where you can find a lot more of them, 